0: And that came from my own personal experiences in really knowing and understanding so much of the information, but not being able to apply it. So even though I had a background in exercise physiology and psychology and nutrition, I was still struggling with creating my own healthy habits. And I was diagnosed at a young age with uh, panic disorder and depression.
1: (coughs) To the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. All right, guys. Well, I hope you are going to enjoy this. I am thrilled to bring you this next guest, Dr. Heidi Hanna. I won't belabor this setup too much because, of course, that's how we begin the interview. She has some fantastic insights around energy, conservation of energy, and why it's so darn important. So without further ado, we'll kick this off, and I will catch you on the other side. Thanks. (laughs) I begged her to be on the show, and she finally caved. So <laughs> Heidi is a triple threat. She's brilliant, she's beautiful, and she's just super humble and kind. So Heidi, welcome. Thank you for being here. How are you doing today?
0: Thank you so much. That was very kind, and yes, you are quite persistent. So ah. I, I am, I'm happy we could schedule this in before I start traveling again too much. Uh, I love what you talk about, and I'm really looking forward to the
1: conversation. Well, again, thanks for being here. So we like to kick off the show with something called the GTR, which is a Good Things Report. Would you like to start or shall I?
0: You know what? Why don't you go ahead? Give me, a, it'll give me a minute to see what you come up with, Perfect. and then I'll determine which one I'm going to share. You got it. So <laughs>
1: typically it should be one thing. And okay. as I was prepping, so I and I keep using this, so I'm sure the listener will be sick of this. But probably by the time this comes out, the book will be out. But I am continually energized by the thought of – I'm just getting so close to finishing the Mm. pressure paradox. So that has me fired up. That's GTR 1. GTR number 2 is kind of funny. Uh, I was surfing the other morning. A guy was complimentary to my surfing, and I explained that I was surfing a buddy's board, just trying to figure it out. Next thing you know, we're talking about shapers. And long story short, he and I know this old shaper who who shaped my prior board. And I love this guy. He's a fantastic shaper. His name's Ellington. Long story short, he connects me to Ellington and I have Ellington shaping me a brand new board. And I got some pictures this morning. It looks awesome. So that's kind of how it goes. Heidi, what do you got?
0: Well, I'm thinking everyone hates you right now for uh. being in a place that you can surf regularly. But uh. since I'm in the same place, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, being in San Diego, that is. right. Um, so I guess my uh, there's there's so many things. But <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me right now is just that I have committed to make a change in my life. Okay. And I've been saying for years that I travel too much and that I have no personal life. And that the only way I'm going to have a life is if I get off the road, Um, and yet I go right back into it. So anytime I have an extended period of time that I'm not traveling, I find an excuse to go travel somewhere and visit someone. So I joined the medical practice part-time here in San Diego, and I have an office there. We have an amazing team. Um, It's called Life Wellness Institute, and I'm um, overseeing their corporate wellness division. It's just been really a beautiful fit where I continue to do my own work, and I'm still building and growing Synergy. Um, but just being part of something bigger has been really wonderful and it actually makes me want to spend more time at home. So instead of just talking about it, I'm actually being intentional and setting some boundaries. And I think I'm in the midst of a transition that's going to be really important for me personally.
1: That's powerful. And, um, so just kind of following what you just said about being jealous though, there are some people who would love to travel. And mm-hmm. so, so my first thought is, you know, it's, it's the grass is always greener. And um, I I don't know, I, I get that you've had your fill, you've had your quota, and you're looking for change. And sounds like a terrific opportunity with the wellness center. So
0: yeah, it's a good blend. And the thing I just, you know, remind people about travel. Well, first of all, one of my biggest fears growing up was flying. So um, I wasn't exactly chomping at the bit to see the world. That said, (laughs) I'm I'm super grateful that I've had the experiences that I've had and I will continue to travel. But I mean, we're talking like 90% of the time, like I'm lucky if I'm home a week of the month. So it's very hard to sustain personal relationships. And, you know, honestly it goes into what I research about energy management that it's not just physical emotional mental and spiritual social energy is real and we can measure it and it's tangible and if you even though you're around thousands of people you know on a regular basis you can feel disconnected and I think ultimately that's what it's about for me is I may still be gone 75 percent of the time but when I'm home I have a team to come back to I have people to high five and really there's incredible value in that from the perspective of the energy we have to show up with then when we go back out on the road.
1: Beautiful. And um, just quick parallel there. So, so in the Habit Factor app that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. there are today seven categories when you set up your habit.
0: Mm.
1: And they begin with, you know, it's mind, body, uh, spiritual, and social. Those were the core four.
0: Mhm. So
1: you were talking about social energy. I thought that was. And then by, you know, popular demand we added like adventure and professional and financial. But mm-hmm. those core four, social was one of them. All right, let's dive in to what you have going. Explain to me or I should say rather the audience. So your company is synergy. What just what does that mean to you? Yeah.
0: So, the whole reason I started Synergy is I had been working in the space of kind of personal energy management. I had the great opportunity to work for a company called the Human Performance Institute. And so, people who are familiar with this concept of personal energy, um, Dr. Jim Lair, uh, wrote a book along with Tony Schwartz called The Powerful Engagement, which really changed my whole perspective. Um, I had already been thinking about it this way from a bi- body, mind, and spirit um, perspective. But but the way they put it together was just so easy to understand. And then coming from a sports background, um, another one of the books was by Jack Grappel called Corporate Athlete. And that was a program that we taught. It was a curriculum that we taught to businesses. and And I loved what I did. I did that for eight years. That's what got me traveling initially. Um, But ultimately it got to the point where I really started feeling like there was a need for understanding more about the brain and about how the brain manages energy and things that we can do really from a brain perspective that um, can get our system in a state of coherence or can, can really pull us off track. And that came from my own personal experiences in really knowing and understanding so much of the information, but not being able to apply it. So even though I had a background in exercise physiology, and psychology and nutrition i was still struggling with creating my own healthy habits and i was diagnosed at a young age with uh panic disorder and depression mm. so it was it, and we're talking you know, like i was 12 years old when the mm. doctor said you have stress ulcers and you know you need to take a you need to take a break like oh what was so hard at 12?
1: What, what, but, what real quick what was your yeah. athletic uh background what sports were you doing
0: So I was a softball pitcher, and I ended up getting a full ride scholarship to play at Penn State. Um, Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So I had had some skills. I had
1: some skills. Yeah, that's.
0: Um, But the the uh, ironic thing about that is, I didn't. I didn't like what I was doing at all. I didn't like the sport. Could not stand it, and so what? Yeah. We'll have to talk more about the whole yeah. pressure paradox thing because I was <laughs> put in a pressure cooker because my father was my coach and oh, I was yeah, pitcher yeah, it, and it. I didn't want to be the center of attention. And I had this anxiety condition and yet I was being put in these, you know, high intense situations. We were playing wow. national tournaments. So anyway, all of this really led to me wanting to understand more about the brain. How can we know something and do something totally different? What is it that's causing this big gap? And so
1: Okay. I sorry, I'm gonna interrupt yeah, you. So please, so please. the gap and I just wanted because yeah. you're you're knocking so much out, so yeah. much great information. The gap you're talking about is knowing something, yeah, the right thing, having all the knowledge in the world, quote unquote, and then the the questions about the inability to implement it, right? Exactly. Is that where you're going? Okay. So go yep. ahead. I so, just and, want and to get that, clear. that
0: okay. No, that's great. I have a tendency to move so you're doing quickly great. past these concepts, but I call it the no-do gap and not no-no at being K-N-O-W. K-O, Between right. what we know and what we do, so many times there's this big gap. And so as a speaker, I was teaching people about Nutrition and fitness and positive psychology. And yet I felt like a broken record. Like people know most of this stuff. In fact, people intuitively know a lot of this. What is getting in the way? And around the same time, uh, my third grandparent was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Um, I was still struggling with panic disorder despite really knowing so much about it. And, and this was just five or six years ago, um, decided to do more research on the brain, wrote a book. And so all that to say that what synergy is to me (laughs) is trying to help people understand brain-based energy management and that it's, it's a systemic look. It's a holistic look at energy, looking from physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and social, and how we apply that not just individually, but also at an organizational level.
1: Wow. That was a mouthful. And I that love it. Was. I mean, you, are, you are absolutely on fire. This is so good. I hope everybody's pulled over in their car and they're taking notes. So let's back up. And by the way, one of my favorite quotes, I think it's a Confucius quote is to know and not to do is not to know. Yeah. That's, uh, but let's back up. So Energy. What I I think everybody kind of knows what energy is, but what does that mean to you? What is energy? Just energy. Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, there's a lot of ways to define energy. I mean, I guess if you go back to the very, very basics, energy is the capacity to do work. Correct. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, when you look at or, or maybe even the capacity to take action, I mean, it isn't the way we think about work. So many times we think about it as being the business or the workplace, right, right. Um, but it's actually to take action because emotional energy is your ability to act in a way that is aligned with who you want to be. So the piece that I love so much from Jim Lair's work in looking at at the time was a peak prefer- uh, peak performance pyramid looked at four dimensions and they talked about physical energy being the capacity, uh, emotional energy being the quality, Mm -hmm. mental energy being the focus and spiritual energy being the force. And so all elements of energy, which is really actually very measurable, Um, When you look at from a physical standpoint, you're looking at glucose and oxygen and how it's being metabolized in the body. You can look at um, biorhythms and heartbeats and brain waves, and it's really pretty incredible. So I think that's one of the most exciting fields about energy work is that now we can hook people up, for example, to a heart rate monitor and measure their heart rate variability, which is not the same as heart rate. Heart rate variability is showing how they adapt to um, stress So to changes within the body. So it's a kind of like a flexibility of your heart to be able to cope with whatever level of stress it's under and higher uh, heart rate variability has been shown to be correlated with pretty much all measures of good health. So that's something now that we can track, we can show somebody, here's where you're at right now. Here's where we want you to go. And here's the training you can do to actually get there in a very practical, tangible way.
1: I scribbled so many notes there. <laughs> um, I cannot keep up with you. This is awesome. So let's back up. So you say energy, the capacity to do the work, or the capacity to take action, which is perfect. And and then you went into, um, it's Jim Lair, right?
0: Yes, L-O-H-R, H-R, yeah. Right.
1: And, and so what you said there was this idea that, to take action it doesn't just require physical energy but it requires three other levels of energy emotion
0: yeah or like you and i were saying i mean i I've, I've added social so yeah absolutely and and i I'd, I'd say social now some people will have social be part of potentially spiritual but i think we've seen enough research now to know that uh social capacity is absolutely so, critical
1: so when you and and i'm sorry i'm being slow but hopefully yeah, this great. is helping bridge the gap for for some listeners so so when you say that to take action you have these these kind of other dimensions if you have physical emotional mental spiritual is that where the gap the the do and the no gap is created if you don't have alignment with emotional or mental mm. or spiritual huh
0: that's, that's a great question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that twofold. Number one is I think that the Human Performance Institute model, is that's exactly the way that we, we would work, is we would work on those four energy dimensions and, and be looking at how engaged you are in each of those areas. So for example, if, you are, if you've gone too long without eating, that's going to impact your ability to focus on a task. If you're not really spiritually connected to the mission that you're on, that's going to affect how much energy you bring to the space that you're in. I mean, so you can, you can look at all these different dimensions. The one piece though, that I will say that I have added, I hope, or contributed to the field is that there is also an important, um, alignment that's necessary between the brain and the heart.
1: Oh yeah. I love that. And let's get into that. Yeah, but not yet. (laughs)
0: Well, and the reason I say that is because those those four buckets are are important. Um, But I think now that we know so much more about the what we call psychophysiological status, you know, how that can pull you off your brain. And that's really to me, that's the no-do gap. The no-do gap is a brain knowing something and the heart which literally stores memories and actually facilitates so much of what the body is needs throughout the day, things like positivity or even nourishment, mm-hmm. um, the system can actually crash and you go into survival mode, which is also what pulls us off track.
1: Fantastic. So I, I won't belabor the point here, but <laughs> I see now far more clearly that no and do gap, just having spent... A few minutes with you, understanding these components—physical, emotional, uh, mental, spiritual, even social—and um, how any one of those out of alignment or coherence is potential for creating or widening that gap. Mm,
0: so I won't be—I
1: won't belabor that. But I just wanted to kind of slow it down and yeah. break it down again because energy has those um, component parts. So having said that, I will. We will just jump into the the heart and the brain discussion. Mm-hmm. And I love this discussion. Can you? And and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but. When you hear the word mind, what does that, how do you define the mind?
0: Mm. Such a fascinating conversation because <laughs> it just well, is. Actually, it,
1: most people just <laughs> glaze over and they're like, get away from me. So I, I think it's fascinating, but uh, I'm glad you do. That's probably why we're talking.
0: Exactly. Yes. And why I spend so many nights at home watching PBS, (laughs) Um, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer for that, but I love the conversation about it. And I, um, in, in the space of integrative neuroscience, which is what I consider myself to be a student of, um, you know, we've got the brain and we've got the physical brain that plays host to the mind um, but the mind, in my opinion, is something subtly different from, you know, the brain is being the physical structure. The mind is being our, our cognition, but also our emotional capacity is, is hosted there too. And there's definitely an intersection between, I think the mind and the spirit or the soul that's really difficult to define.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, we're semi aligned there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the brain, a doctor, you're a doctor, you can point to the brain. Mm-hmm. You can say your brain is big, it's small, it's diseased, but but nobody can point to the mind, at least nobody I know. Yeah. So, so what I have uh, theorized is this idea that it's that connecting link almost between the heart – which is what makes me think about it. Your discussion mm-hmm. between the heart, the correlation between the heart and the brain, and when there is that coherence, and and I think there's something there spiritually as well that that that's the mind component that somehow, um, in many ways, <laughs> connects those two organs. Yeah. Or I. I I, yeah I mean I I don't know what it is either I just know that that's the Best theory I've heard. Let's put theory I've heard. Let's put it in way. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and what's interesting is I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I could I could invite some really super smart people to be on this call and have a conversation. But, you know, what fascinates me most is they'd have completely different ideas about what it is. And so I think that's what what makes the conversation interesting. Um, I went to a neuroscience camp for a week at the University of Pennsylvania for fun because, uh-huh. you know, that's what normal people do, I guess, is get a brain camp, of
1: course. but
0: um, yeah. But the guy next to me was just so set on the fact that you know all that we are is a brain, and that's just uh, you know we're just a series of so neurons that are no, connected. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it's like wow. it, it, and that's really hard. You know, that's yeah. really hard to comprehend. So um, again, not I, we didn't argue about it. It was just you know taking in people's different perspectives. I think the key is, uh, and I do know that my research partner, um, Dr. Evian Gordon, who is a trained neuroscientist. And, and we're doing some cool research right now. Um, the one thing that he would definitely say is no matter what you believe, you need to have a framework. And so having a <laughs> right. perspective, you know, he's created this beautiful framework for how the brain works and a model that now we can train people based on that model. Um, but if you're just kind of winging it, if, you're, if you don't know what your framework looks like, I think that's where we really get into trouble because we just start to drift and we just atrophy.
1: Awesome. Two things. One, to kind of button that up, so so PBS, in the same scene, in the same sentence, a doctor uh, will interchange brain and mind as though they were the mm-hmm. same thing, and it okay. kind of drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other thing is, in writing The Pressure Paradox, I, I don't know how I didn't find this when I was doing The Habit Factor, but I I found out that the Chinese— in the words eluding me, they have, you may know it, there's a term for the heart-mind are
0: mm, you of that you know i'm not familiar with it i'm sure some of my colleagues at uh, heartmath would when they've done amazing research on all of that kind of stuff uh for those people who are interested i'd highly recommend heartmath.com or .org uh fantastic research in in exactly that and it, you know it doesn't surprise me that there's there's a name for it sometimes right. language just misses so much of the message especially you know
1: especially western language yeah yeah <laughs> for western sure western thinking here I was, uh, anyways, postulating and just intuiting these, this heart-brain connection. And, and then all of a sudden I find out it's called Zin. It's X-I-N. And mm. in ancient Chinese philosophy, it is the heart-mind, if you will.
0: Yeah. It's
1: crazy. So, okay. So we were, in in best cases... Uh, We have some real concrete science and and worst cases, we're just philosophizing, Mm -hmm. um, which is fun to do. And and now let's bring it home. If if this is about energy and um, which is about how we have the capacity to do work or take action, give me, us, please – Three to five, like, best tips, take-home things to be aware of and or do that uh, maybe we're not doing. All right, just a quick time out. I want to make sure you know about the free habit tracking slash building template that I will send to you right away. All you have to do is text 33444. That is 33444 four, four, and simply text the word HABITS. That's right. HABITS, H-A-B-I-T-S, to three, three, four, four, four. And I'll get you your free habit tracking slash building template right away. Now let's get back to this amazing interview with Dr. Heidi Hanna.
0: So... I'm going to be maybe a little bit more broad, but, uh, I hope that people can still get some takeaways from this. And what I mean by that, there's so much you could do that. I don't want to get too down to the nitty gritty, but, um, there's three things I think are important to keep in mind when it comes to energy. And the first one is to try to focus more on the energy, energy you bring to the time than just managing time by itself because I think we become fixated on showing up without being fixated on showing up the way we want to show up. And what that does, first of all, is it puts us into a a state of stress, chronic stress. And the time we wake up in the morning feeling like we don't have enough time to get it all done. And we just go through the motions and we're multitasking and we're raising our cortisol levels, which literally is killing brain cells and, and, you know, we're making more mistakes. And so I think just an overall perspective of the value of the energy we bring to the time that we have is really critical. And again, um, I would say the powerful engagement is a great book to read. If you're interested in reading more about that concept,
1: let me try to simplify that. Yeah, please. So it's, it's the awareness of sh- you said showing up the right way so to speak it's 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 there's some intentionality that you're not just showing up but but realize where you're at and what energy you are bringing so so yeah. i <laughs> I could do that. I could be sitting at my desk and saying, I'm not showing up. My energy sucks. Now what do I do?
0: Right. And so that's why I wanted to start with this one first. Because and here's why though. It goes back to the heart brain that we were talking about. Because if you don't really believe that energy is your most valuable resource, you are not gonna do the habits or the rituals that are required to show up fully. So if you get stuck in survival mode thinking that your time is the most precious thing, then you're you're going to race through the day, no matter how many tips I give you for managing your energy. So the first thing you do, you got to do is buy in. And, and the example I love to use for people is to think about how you feel when you're on the phone with somebody and you can tell that they're doing something else. That Perfect. feeling of not being as important as something else is the feeling that we all give each other on a regular basis. And right. I think it's, it's insulting. So again, just to be aware that... You know, because if you have that awareness, then you can move on to the next two things I'm going to recommend. And, okay. and the first one is to invest in your energy ahead of time. Mm hmm. And you do that with the types of rituals and habits like exercising in the morning or having a healthy breakfast or doing meditation, reading something inspirational, listening to music that makes you feel uh, inspired or relaxed, depending on what you want to do. There's so many techniques, which is why I wrote the recharge book was to just make it really practical. But if you don't really value energy, you're going to say, I don't have time for that. And you're going to rush throughout your day. So you first got to get the buy-in and then you're investing ahead by every morning having a ritual or routine
1: mm-hmm.
0: of whatever time works for you. Honestly, my favorite routines are about an hour long, but I don't always have an hour. So I'm going to make sure I have multiple plans so that if I only have five minutes, I know what I'm going to do with those five minutes to put my brain into an optimal state so that I can show up more fully. Okay. Okay. And morning is the best time to do it because it's when the brain's most flexible and adaptable and it, it starts us off the right way. And then the last thing I was going to say is, you know, you so you're you're valuing energy first, then you're investing in your energy second. And then the third thing is you're managing it strategically throughout the day. So studies have shown that we cannot be fully engaged in anything for longer than about 90 minutes. So, and that's actually a lot for our ADD culture that we have right now. I absolutely. usually recommend 50-minute work hours with 5 to 10 minutes of break time. Yep. Oscillation is absolutely critical. It follows the flow of our heartbeats and brainwaves and blood sugar. We have to have an up and down, and if we flatline throughout the day, then we're going to crash. Uh, At the end of the day. And the ironic thing about that crash is if we're going and going and going, we crash physically, but mentally we're totally wound up. So you've probably experienced this before. I know I have where you're tired and wired at the same time. Oh, sure so you're you're done like your body's saying we're done for the day and your brain is still so amped up with stress hormones it's thinking about like all the mistakes you made and what you need to do to prep for tomorrow and I'll just do one more email and and especially if you're working on a book you're like well I'll just knock out another chapter and before you know it it's three o'clock in the morning and your whole system is thrown off so if you buy into the fact that energy is your most viable resource, if you start to invest strategically in the morning with a plan of self-care strategies, then I would say every hour have a recharge strategy of, you know, could be anywhere from three to five minutes, um, could be longer than that if you have the time to do that. But where you really just invest back in yourself with things like, nutrition, going for a walk, getting some fresh air, listening to some music, doing a guided meditation, watching a funny video. I mean, humor is an awesome way to take a recharge break. So I try to do that as often as I can. And as you know, I think we're friends on Facebook. I I try to post those, you know, just kind of two to three minute funny videos as often as I can to encourage people to take a little laugh break.
1: Yes, those are great. And those tips are, uh, they make so much sense when you spell it out that way. So you value it, You invest it, and then you manage it throughout the day. That's right. Beautiful. And yes, uh, that's a great segue because you just mentioned laughter. And what in three-ish sentences, what do we need to know about laughter? Why is it so Mm. valuable?
0: I would say, you know, so laugh... Three sentences. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> now you're really challenging you- me.
1: No, no, no. I'm okay,
0: a- so the most important things I could say is um, laughter and humor are two different things. Laughter is a physical expression okay. that actually you don't even need to find something funny to get the benefits of laughing. So there's laugh groups and laughter yoga, and you can literally physically laugh and get a boost of positive endorphins. What I spend a little bit more time researching is humor, which We're- is the mental emotional experience of finding something funny which is literally like brain exercise with that positive endorphin rush and a whole like namaste at the end um it's it's absolutely fantastic and i i do i actually am part of a group where we study um humor and the impact on the brain so there's great research out there everyone should laugh more
1: everybody should laugh more. yes doctor's orders i love it and it, I don't think it was you, but somebody posted, speaking of Facebook, it was this video. People are on a subway in like.
0: Yeah, I've did seen you that. See that one. And yeah. this, this
1: lady just starts giggling and then it spreads throughout the whole car. And what gets really funny is 90 percent are doing it and the other 10 percent are just adamant that they won't. So that <laughs> makes it even funnier because they're irritated. Oh my right. Goodness, it's really good.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to be working on a research study on laughter because my perspective on laughter is that it is a non-conscious cue to the brain that the world is safe. So I think just like, you know, we have a negativity bias. We have five times more negative circuits in the brain than positive.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. So we are just primed to experience stress. And when we hear laughter, I think there's a non-conscious response, even if we're not aware of what's happening, that allows us to relax because we perceive that it is safe. And so I'm I'm going to use that intentionally in some studies to see if we can actually shift negativity bias in people who have a stronger negativity bias.
1: Well, yeah. And you think not just negativity bias, but the, the physiological benefits mm-hmm. are, are, I mean, they're storied at this point. So I, 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 have, uh, I have been more intentional to go find things for a while. Actually, I take it back. Uh, not just for a while. I set up on Pandora the comedy channel. Oh, um, nice! And it's not—it's like the comedian channel. But yeah, it rolls through, and it's super funny. And and what I'm realizing now after having talked to you is that was a way to manage energy throughout the day. It gives Absolutely. you a little boost. So excellent. Two things I want to touch on, and then we'll begin to wrap it up. I feel like we should do three sessions at some point. <laughs> um, so, heart rate variability, we can measure that now. Why mm-hmm. couldn't we measure that before? And what does it mean? <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm so you know we if
1: if we can do that semi-quick we
0: yeah yeah we absolutely can And, and I don't want to make it to sound like this is um brand new technology but it's much easier to measure it so um what you're looking at is not just your heart rate at any one given time like we have a tendency to look at what's your heart rate or what's your blood pressure and we're taking a snapshot of right now in this moment what heart rate variability is saying is how does your heart rate fluctuate Based on the demands of your system, so you shouldn't you shouldn't have a flatline heart rate. You should have an, a natural, you know, flow, a rhythm to your heart that is smooth and what we would call coherent. And so, this organization, HeartMath, has done decades of research on um, how heart rate variability is correlated with health. and And I got to tell you, I mean, the the research is absolutely astounding. So, for me, in my work, I've created a full program called Stress RX, sure. which uh, I work with people who are experiencing anxiety or depression or burnout, and really put them on kind of a one year program where they're learning how to train. Optimal heart rate variability. Now you don't have to work with someone. you can also do this on your own. You can buy a uh, monitor from HeartMath. They not that they're the only ones, but definitely by far the leaders in heart rate variability monitoring. Okay. Uh, and there's some great educational webs- um, webinars and things online as well. People can get some more information. But I think you'll hear more and more about it. I mean, we're working with professional athletes. We've got a few golfers, uh, PGA golfers who are using it uh, successfully to really, the idea is you're training your resilience so that you know when you're not on the course, for example, for these golfers, you're training your ability to stay resilient under pressure so that when you are in a pressure situation, physiologically, you are still in a coherent state. So here's the interesting thing, especially since you're writing about pressure, is it's not saying you're relaxed, it's saying you're coherent, and those are two very different things. Relaxed would be a low heart rate, coherent is an optimal heart rate variability where the brain and the heart are really communicating effectively. So you're not all chilled out because you know you don't want to be all like blissed out when you're going into a big meeting, but you want to have the best physiological state that your brains can perform optimally and be creative and flexible, and that's what heart rate variability helps to train.
1: Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot in there's a I should say a lot. There's a handful about performance and this idea of the zone mm-hmm. um, that you'll see in the pressure paradox, and, and we talk about. Not just the physical state, um, but but what are those core qualities? So, um, great for another time. That's uh-huh. awesome. Uh-huh. So, and then the other thing, semi quickly, is this idea of oscillation. Yeah, you and I have worked this into the book, and you were the one who showed me the way. I gotta say thank you. It was this breakthrough, it was sort of what I was looking for and I didn't understand or appreciate it. And now it makes perfect sense. Because as you said, if you're looking at a flat line, that may be balanced, Mm -hmm. but it also might be dead, right? Exactly. And and so this idea of oscillating leads you to, if if you metaphorically remove it from from just kind of the heart rate to this idea of you adjusting, too much traveling, trying mm-hmm. something different. That's mm-hmm. an oscillation, if you will. So, mm-hmm. so, and I think what precedes that is an, an awareness. So I just want to say thank you for the oscillation factor, if you will.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I think right. that's uh, just one of those core you know things. It's like everything about the human system oscillates. So let's try to f- match that instead of trying to fight it. It's well, when we and, fight and, it that we get
1: into trouble. And and absolutely. And so it's not just in the human system; it's in in nature. Exactly. Yeah. You know, high tide, low tide. Yeah. So beautiful. All right, we're going to uh, button this thing up, if you will. I would like to put you on the spot, kind of, and ask you to define success. Oh boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you would think I'd already have worked that one out. Um,
1: <laughs> well, you you don't have to answer and you, uh,
0: no, you I'm just, you know, I'm one of those people, like right. I could have a little, you know, I probably should come up with some quick little thing, but uh, I'm processing through it. And I'm trying to think that for me, success is, it's going to be some sort of energetic alignment where I'm able to fully show up in the moments that matter most.
1: I love it. Works for me.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I uh, tend to ask this of all the guests. Tell me your top three or five habits.
0: Mm. Well, I will... Share with you. I, I know I wrote about this in the book, but it, it's just kind of the quick thing that I started to rely on when I needed to recharge. And I call it Heidi's High Five. Right. Um, I have five habits or rituals or kind of a routine that I go through with these five elements that I think are important for right. recharging the brain. So for me, number one is movement. I think uh, moving the body is just so critical to getting that energy circulating through the system so first thing in the morning before i do anything or even try to think i just try to go to the gym um or go outside go for a run go for a walk do something that gets the system moving and then the second thing is while i'm moving i start to um become more mindful about what's going on in my own head Um, and just, that's just an awareness thing. It's like listening to what I'm thinking about. What's my state of mind? How am I feeling? Um, so a mindfulness practice and I can do that also while I'm walking or running or whatever. It's just a a mind, a few minutes of mindfulness. And then I think about my motivation for the day. Um, so by the way, these do all start with M. So it makes it easy to remember. So I go from, from movement to mindfulness to motivation. And I think about who I want to be before I think about what I want to do. So I start thinking, you know, how do I want to show up? What would that look like? What would that feel like? What's most important to me today? And then I come up with a word or phrase that I can meditate on. So that's my number four As I meditate. And I like to do this um, seated actually. And I've started connecting to uh, a heart math device so I can actually monitor my heart rate variability, but sometimes I don't have time. So I'll do it while I'm working out. So I'm still running or walking or whatever. And I'm starting to meditate on this thought. Is it, I want to be light in the world. I want to be energized. I want to be present. I want to be patient. Um, and I just meditate on that for a few minutes And then the last M is one that we talked uh, about a little bit, which is mirth, which is another word for humor. And so my last step is to then find something funny and share it with my community. Um, Of course, just finding something funny is enough. And sometimes that just happens. I find a lot of things funny. But when you share it with somebody, you also boost a hormone in the brain called oxytocin, which is a bonding chemical. And the hope is that someone else will find it funny and pass it on as well. So those are my five movement mindfulness that's great motivation meditation and mirth
1: i love it and and a ritual is nothing other than a combination of habits so that's right that is beautiful and i think you had to reach a little for the mirth for the fifth, <laughs> i did, for, I for did the fifth I M. i'm <laughs> sensing the reach but that's beautiful and uh all right we are truly gonna tie this down I want to know either a book you're reading or one of your favorite books and why it was so special. Ooh, okay.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's so many. Okay, so I would say probably, if I had to pick one, probably The War of Art. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that. A lot of people keep saying art of war, but I mean the war of art. It's very different, Uh, especially if you're a writer or someone who's doing anything creative. uh, That is one that I will just read and read and read and read. Um, Good.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. It's Pressler, right, or something like that? It is. It is, yeah. Um, Is there an energy – I skipped this. I want to go back. Is Mm -hmm. there an energy mantra or affirmation that you can share that gives you energy (laughs) – so it mm-hmm. th- gives you a little boost
0: um there's a couple of things but probably the thing i rely on the most and it's a uh, breathing practice that i do the mantra that i use is i am enough i have enough mm,
1: I'm and so, glad so I when i
0: yeah when i breathe when i breathe In, I actually tell myself I have enough because I'm thinking about the fact that I'm taking in oxygen, and that's all I need in this moment. And then, as I let that go and relax, I say I am enough. And I think that's something we could all use a reminder of.
1: Wow! Now I'm really, now I'm really pleased with me. That was was a great question. Incredible
0: answer. Um, (laughs) Thank you. All
1: right. So, a favorite website tech gadget something you can't live without app i think you've mentioned a few so um maybe it's something you've already mentioned but but i'd like to ask about tech tools and things like that that maybe uh the listeners haven't heard of
0: yeah i um right now i have to say my my go-to is still a fitbit And the reason being uh, the social element. Um, I actually took it off today. I'm taking a Fitbit-free weekend for Labor Day, (laughs) (laughs) just because sometimes it's good to not be connected to technology.
1: Funny, (laughs) a Fitbit-free weekend. I am. I know. uh, I'm being
0: intentional about it. But but you know, with all my work with EO in particular, I've really uh, feel like I've kind of built a family there, and a lot of my. Um, friends across the world use Fitbit, Fitbit, and so we can all encourage each other, and it's just surprising every now and then to get a little message from someone saying, you know, good job, or hey, you feeling okay, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, so weird. for Fitbit, for me, it's more of a social connector than it is a competition. Wow, but,
1: that's really good to know. Yeah. And that's positive peer pressure. Exactly. Um, finally, is there anything you would like to... As I want to grant you the opportunity to promote, to mention, uh, to share something you're offering, Um, feel free to...
0: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll let you know. I actually haven't announced this to anybody yet, and, uh, but hey, might as well put it out there. Right. Um, we are going to do a book promo for Recharge because Great. we are just now working with a new um, publisher, and we're going to do a little promo October 1st. Um, we're going to be giving out the ebook for one dollar. Um, just to get it out there and have people share the word and spread the word and all that good stuff. So, um, that will, you'll be able to get information about that on my website, which is synergyprograms.com.
1: Sweet. And, yeah. and this uh, may actually air, I should have shared this after, it after. may air uh, after because I'm, I tell you what, but, but you, that's fine. you what, what we'll just, do is I'll link to your site and you can yeah. set something up special when it goes live.
0: Perfect. And I was going to say, worst case scenario, if people want to email me and let me know they heard it here, we'll make sure that they get a copy of the book. I
1: love it. Heidi, you were, as I said, absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you. Wonderful uh, to be here.
1: Hopefully we'll see you soon-ish. And I know the listenership is thanking you at this moment, too. So find her at – give me the website again – SynergyPrograms dot com. Perfect. I didn't want to say Synergy dot com. Good. <laughs> Synergyprograms.com. dot com. All right, Heidi. Thank you so much, and good night now. <laughs> bye. Bye bye.